You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Baptist and Pleasant Green Road. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now, here's our pastor with this week's sermon. The question of all in is on the table this morning. We talk about being in the wild all week, and uh, it was an incredible week. Don't get me wrong. There's a. Thanks for the introduction. Appreciate that. Didn't expect it. wasn't in the notes. Um, but we we talked about following Jesus and being in the wild, and and being in the wild really is is where God calls us when we follow Him. It's and it's an unexpected place. Um, I, I don't know about you, about all in, and if you were to consider the term or that phrase all in, would you consider your relationship all in with regards to following Christ? Uh, when I was growing up, we used to play outside a lot. Um, it, it was not unusual that my mom or my dad would say, get out of the house. And they weren't kicking me out of the house. Don't get me wrong. They were telling me to go play. And, and they would just send me out. It's like, go play. Go play somewhere, do something, but get out of here. Or we'll have something for you to do. And it was like, I'm choosing the play side of that. So, so I would go out and we would play baseball down the street. We would play hockey up in another neighborhood. Or we would play football. And sometimes we played street football. And, and that meant that we just did passes and tried not to trip, fall, and, and get injured that way. And occasionally, we'd go down to this field that was in front of a company, and we just went down there because it was a big, open, grassy space. And we would go play football down there on the weekends, and sometimes uh, we would have the, the group, and they would be from like sixth grade through college. And we weren't there to play touch football. We played tackle. And for sixth or seventh grader, that's somewhat intimidating. Uh, as I got older, it became less intimidating. But you got to understand that when I graduated high school, I was six foot tall, 145 pounds, which meant that on any given occasion, I could be broken half. And so we would get down there, and I would I'd play football, and I wanted to be all in. And there were days where that field was just muddy, rainy, nasty. And, and I would, I would kind of fight that. And I, I would get out there and I'd play and I'd not want to get muddy. But once I got muddy, I wanted to be all in muddy. I, like I didn't want to be recognizable by my mom when I showed back up at home. I wanted to be all in. And so that's, that's kind of the, the tension when we talk about our church experience. The question is, are we all in? I, I want to be the same way. And I actually gravitate toward those that say, hey, I'm all in. I'll join the church and I want to become part of the family at a particular place. And because of that, I want to be all in. I want to work. I want to do something. And so I've got an affinity toward that. The tension is that when we make decisions, sometimes we question whether it's a good decision for us. Should I, should I jump all in with regards to church? Should I jump all in with regards to a job or whatever it happens to be? And so we play in that tension and we second guess phrases like I will or I can. I'm sure there are some on the front end of Vacation Bible School after the very first night, because we were kind of hit hard the first night. It was great. 
We had, some, we had to rearrange some classes, but I know that there were likely some adults that were going, what in the world did I get myself into? I mean, there were 27 in a small room down there with um, kindergarten and first graders. There were 31 preschoolers back there. And, um, you know, that just makes you shiver. And so there was probably a question, you know, is this a good thing? And if we could guarantee that the decisions that we make would, would come out right, that they'd be okay on the back end of it. And so we, we make decisions and we want, it to be, we want it to be right. And essentially, essentially, we look out for our interests, don't we? We say, I'll make this decision because I think it's going to move me further along in some path that I have designed for my life. And so we make decisions like that. And we have to understand that instead of us determining what is best, God can determine what is best. And so we say, okay, God, I may not understand all that you want me to do, but I will follow. And that's a tough spot to be in sometimes because God doesn't always reveal how it turns out. There are two people in Scripture, and there's a bunch of folks in Scripture that we could talk about, but there's two guys that I want to investigate in their life just a little bit. I want to talk about their life, and really I want to talk about two specific encounters that took place in Scripture that we have record of. And so as, the, as it was written in Scripture, inspired by the Holy Spirit, we have record of these two accounts, and we're going to read through them because they, they give us a glimpse on what it means to be all in. And so the first one is in John chapter 3. So if you'll turn to John chapter 3, we'll get into this and, and we're going to move pretty quickly through this first part. John chapter 3, there was a guy named Nicodemus. And you may be familiar with Nicodemus. You may have said, that's a really strange name. I have no idea who that is. But Nicodemus was a, a Pharisee. And this is what it says, starting in verse 1. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And so what we know about Nicodemus is we know these things. We know that he had a religious heritage, that he was a, a ruler. He had command of others. And so he would tell people what to do, and they would do it. And he was very smart, and he was, a, he was a Pharisee, but he was of a high level Pharisee. So he sought to do what God wanted him to do. I don't ever want to really cut the Pharisees short, although Jesus has lots to say about the Pharisees. The Pharisees were trying and trying to follow God. They just kind of had a different skew on what it meant to have relationship with God. And so... Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He had authority. He had influence. And so he was a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to Jesus, and he, he quote, said something, and, but we know that Nicodemus came to him at an odd hour. Now, there's a lots, of, lots of different things you can read into this. He came because he didn't want anybody to know. He came because he didn't want to inconvenience Jesus during the day with a question like he was going to ask. And we really don't know all the specifics of why Nicodemus came at night. Some have even put it in the spiritual realm that Nicodemus lived in darkness. He was separated from God and came and, and that night represented his, his disposition before a holy God. 
But we don't know. We just know that he came to Jesus by night and they had an intimate conversation and it seems like it was just them. And so Nicodemus came to him and said to him, Rabbi, which is a Jewish official title of honor. It was like saying, you're my master, you're my teacher. Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher for no one can do these signs. And he he had at least observed what Jesus had done. A sign is a distinguishing mark of identity. We know that no one can do these, these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, which is kind of an interesting response to what Nicodemus recognizes. He says, truly, truly, or listen up, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so Nicodemus breaks into Jesus's space and asks Jesus, or talks to Jesus about who he is. And Jesus turns around and says, you have to be born again, or you can't see the kingdom of God. Jesus just kind of cut to the chase. He didn't say, hey, Nicodemus, what did you do last night? Did you see a good movie? Did you go to a nice place to eat? You know, what, what was going on in your life? He just kind of cut right to it. And he gave the stipulation for eternal life. How do you obtain eternal life? Sincerity? Do you earn it? Do you request favor or or is it in your lineage? Do you get it because you belong to a certain family? It's not how Jesus answered this. He says you must be born again. It's a causal relationship that Jesus is describing here. You have to be born again to see the kingdom of God. It's an if then. If you are born again, you get to see the kingdom of God. If you are not born again, you don't get to see the kingdom of God. So what does it mean to be born again? Well, that that born again phrase means to be born anew or afresh. It's born from above. And so Jesus is stating this. And you would think that Nicodemus would be in that space of having been born again or having a relationship with God because all the outward signs were present. Everything that you would expect a religious person, somebody with a relationship with God to do, Nicodemus did. He was an adherent to the law. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. In today's terms, he showed up on Sunday morning. He was actually early. He may have got there to make the coffee. And so he'd come in on Sunday morning. He may, he may have come back if he had Sunday night church. He would come to Wednesday night. He came to, anytime the doors were open, Nicodemus would have been there. And so we'd say, man, you are a great follower And essentially what Jesus is saying is, there's more to this than what you know. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Can he? I don't even want to go there visually, but that's gross. Jesus answered, said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, and that's the the natural part, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, which seems to be different, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so there is a difference between being born of water and the Spirit. And what Jesus is saying is there's a difference between being physically born and spiritually born. 
Every single person, and we've talked about this before, every single person in this room has been physically born. But have you been born again? Have you been born of the Spirit? It says the Spirit cannot enter into the kingdom, unless you are born of the Spirit, cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed or do not wonder and marvel. Do not stand back and say, I see it, but I don't necessarily understand it. Nicodemus, grab this. That I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. It's interesting that Jesus puts it in those kind of terms because Nicodemus had the ability and the authority to evaluate those around him based on what he saw. You understand that? So Jesus is looking at a guy who is an evaluator of Christian life, if you will. He's somebody that could stand back and say, I recognize you as a follower, but I recognize you as somebody who's separated from God. And what Jesus is pointing out is you cannot recognize what God has done on the inside like that. You don't necessarily recognize it by all the outward things. And granted, the works that we do, the works that we do give evidence of a relationship, but it starts with the relationship. So Nicodemus had the did not have the ability to see the heart of man. And so the, although Nicodemus could have looked at people and said, I think they're a follower, I think they're a follower, I think they fit in, he didn't really know the heart of people. And so he couldn't judge. He couldn't be a judge. And although he was accustomed to that position, it was not something that he should have been called to do. See, Jesus is flipping Nicodemus' world upside down. This whole idea of, being, of having a spiritual birth means a complete surrender. When you think about that as opposed to natural birth, it is a complete surrender. And so in verse 9, Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, back to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Saying, you hold this position, but you don't seem to have a grasp on this, Nicodemus. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. So as much as Nicodemus should have understood, he didn't. If I told you, verse 12, if I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, this is a key phrase, so, so catch this picture. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. So Nicodemus, let me help you to understand this. If you don't have a grasp on it yet, Think back to something that you know intimately. You know the law of Moses. You know the story of Moses. You know how the serpent was lift, lifted up to save people's lives. Just like that happened then, something is going to happen that's futuristic, that's different. It's coming. The Son of Man will be lifted up, and everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. 
And so what, what Jesus is telling him is, grab a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. This is it. See the Messiah in something that you already know. So Nicodemus, grab hold of this. You can see pictures of Christ in the Old Testament all over the place. We could list them. Noah was a picture of Christ in the Old Testament. With the ark, salvation through him provided by God. Abraham and Isaac on top of that mountain where God instructed Abraham to take Isaac to go sacrifice his only son and God provided a ram to sacrifice instead. God's provision for for salvation. And there are other places. Hosea's marriage to Gomer and the consistent pursuit of God or persistent Persistent pursuit of Gomer by Hosea is God's persistent pursuit of us. God is wanting to us to have relationship with him. So what was Nicodemus' response? Well, we, we really don't have Nicodemus' response at that particular point, but we do know something about it going forward. You see, Nicodemus needed to step back and count the cost. What will it cost me if I start following Jesus? What will it mean in my life if I start doing that? What's, it repu- what's at stake is my reputation as a Pharisee. I may have to give that up. My worldview, my friendships, my family, the authority that I have, the influence that I exert over others. All those things are at stake if I turn around and say, I'm going to follow this guy. Because the Pharisees really had it out for Jesus going forward. The considerations that Nicodemus had to make was, had to do with Jesus' claims and his own loyalties. His relationship with God. Where he thought it was set, it didn't seem to be that at all. He really needed to consider whether Jesus was telling the truth. Whether Jesus' claim about being the Messiah and the need for being born again was something that he needed to do. See, the encounter with Jesus changed Nicodemus. We, we know that because there are two accounts of Nicodemus further in the Gospels. There's the account in John chapter 7, starting at verse 40. Um, really, the Pharisees are wanting it out for Jesus, and, and they really kind of want to pick on him and, and kill him. And Nicodemus stands up and says, oh, wait a minute. We don't, we don't need to do that. And this is the actual quote that, that the Pharisees bring back because Nicodemus recognizes that the crowd is following him, but it's not so much about the crowd. It's about him aligning himself with Christ. And he says, and uh, the Pharisees come out and they say, this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Now, do you hear the difference between what Jesus told Nicodemus and what the Pharisees are claiming here? Basically, the Pharisees have made this accusation and said, we are judging these people and they do not know God. They are far from God. What Nicodemus recognizes is that Jesus is telling the truth and decides to follow. And in John chapter 19, verse 39, talks about what Nicodemus did post-resurrection and coming to get Jesus and brings about a hundred pounds of ointment to prepare the body for burial. At that point, he is willing to be seen as a follower of Christ. 
So Nicodemus made a commitment to Christ. He encountered the truth of God's love and responded in faith. But there's another encounter in Scripture that I want us to look at in Mark chapter 10. And we're not going to look at the whole encounter. We're going to look at a piece of the encounter. It's the rich young ruler. You see, the rich young ruler was another one of those guys that knew all the pieces. We saw the video a minute ago and knows all the things to do to follow. And you saw the video, but the rich young ruler could be described also as a good church member, just like Nicodemus. And this is what it says. As he, Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man... And in Luke's record of this account, he calls him a ruler. A man ran up to him and knelt. Which is interesting. We don't see Nicodemus doing that. But this guy comes up to Jesus and kneels in his presence. And it's really an act of submission at that point. It's saying, you know, I'm going to submit. I'm going to be in a posture of you are in charge and I'm not came up to him and knelt before him and asked, and he said, good teacher. He didn't recognize him as the rabbi, as the master of him. What he recognized is that he was just a teacher. It was different than the word rabbi in the Greek. And so he recognizes him as teacher, and he asked the question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. Now, I've got a question about this rich young ruler. Did he recognize Jesus as God? Did he recognize anything special about Jesus? And I would say that he probably did. It's the only reason he came and he knelt before him. He understood that Jesus knew how to have eternal life. And so he came up to Jesus and said, how do I inherit it? How do I get it? No one is good except God. Do you know, you know the commandments? Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Are, are there some missing commandments in here? So this guy answers and says, Teacher, I have kept or I've kept watch, I've guarded all these things from my youth up. You see, essentially what this young man was doing is he was coming before Jesus and said, I want to inherit eternal life. And he was authenticating himself. And we said that, that our job, as what we see as our purpose as a church, is to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ to impact the world. This guy would have come up and said, I'm authentic. There's everything about me just reeks of Christian." reeks of relationship with God. He felt authenticated by his behavior. He had essentially earned favor with God. And we, you may feel the pressure to perform for the favor of God. We have to understand it's not by performance. It's by God's grace and mercy that we have life, that we have salvation. And so looking at him, Jesus felt a love, an agape love for him, and said to him, one thing you lack, one thing that you're inferior in, one thing that you failed to do. And, and re Jesus doesn't really lay it out. He lays out the, um, the, the result of that, but he doesn't say it in plain terms. 
Because if he said, if Jesus turned around and said, one thing you lack, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as yourself, this guy would have said, hey, whoa, 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 I do that. I'm all good there too. But Jesus kind of reveals his answer to that question, do you love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and do you love others as yourself? Jesus asked a question and told him to do something that spoke to both of those that this guy just couldn't handle. He said, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But at these words, he was saddened and went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. You see what has happened here? See, the Bible doesn't say to follow Christ, you need to go give everything away and get poor. That's not what it says. There are rich followers of Christ. There are poor followers of Christ. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying go give it all away and if everybody in here gave everything away, hey, you'd be good with God. It's not that at all. See, generosity is a characteristic of following Christ. We get that, but it is not the way to earn favor with Christ. What Jesus was getting to was the heart of this young man. Say, you're holding on to things that have hold of your heart, and unless you're willing to give those up, you're not really following me. And so he puts it in a different kind of term for this young man. Now, we would say that, that both this rich young ruler and is in good standing with God by his actions. We'd say Nicodemus was the same way. And so if we were to draw a continuum and said, hey, this is where Jesus is. This is, this is like perfect. This is where Jesus is. And then you have the other end of the spectrum over here that's, that's not a follower at all. And you, you put yourself on this continuum, where would you be? Would you be not quite that bad, but not that good? Would you be there? Or would you, or would you say, I've done all these things. In, in fact, I have not missed Sunday school in 35 years. It's a random number. So if, you, if that's you, I'm not speaking about you. That's made up. It's not even in the notes. You may, you may say, I'm like over here. I feel pretty good about my relationship with God. I'm not there. I still have a little ways to go, but I'm certainly not over there. Where would you put yourself on that continuum? Because see, anything, anywhere on this continuum, apart from having a relationship with God and being made right with God through Jesus Christ is failure. It's, it doesn't earn eternal life. You don't get eternal life anywhere in there on your own. And so you could be like a Nicodemus or a rich young ruler and be snuggled up to Jesus here in this continuum and still fall short. Jesus asked that rich young ruler, one question, or ask him to, to do two different things. One question is, will you follow God? And so if we talk about that, 
And that continuum, where are you? I want to illustrate this in, in a way that I promised to do because of Vacation Bible School. And um, it's going to be a little bit on the radical side, and it's not your normal Sunday morning thing. Um, but I, I, um, I said that if we reached a certain number in Vacation Bible School, that I would do something. And um, it wasn't to shave my legs, but it is to shave my head. And so, um, Avery, would you come on up? You're going, whoa, didn't see this coming this morning. And if you didn't know this was, gonna, this was happening, um, it'll be, hopefully it'll be okay. I don't, I don't want to promise it'll be okay. I'm just hoping it'll be okay. That's a really good start, Avery. I feel more confident all the time. Thank you for listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday at 1030 a.m. for our weekly worship service.